I mean, it's the South, you know, people, they just kind of do what they want to do. Like, anything, you know, a lot of the people down here, they don't look like us. And mm-hmm. it's always, well, shit, I'm going to do what I want to do anyway. And, you know, statistics say, like, they more importantly affect people that look like us versus anybody else. So we take the most impact. And that's how I say, you know, when we're the target and we're the most impact, they really don't care. So I mean, it really affected me anyway. So... Yeah, and I think, like, even now, like, my hometown is a hot Hey, welcome to Travel Tuesday Happy Hour, where we interview dope people doing dope things from around the world. Today, we have an amazing guest. Tell us who you are and what you do. My name is Tisa Harris. On social media, I generally go by Tisa Lachey. Uh, I'm a blogger, Army veteran, and I'm a full-time graduate student right now. I'm pursuing my master's in mental health counseling with a concentration in rehabilitation and substance abuse and alcoholism. That's a lot to say in uh, one breath. Uh, um, what made you decide <laughs> to do that? Um, I've always loved like anything with counseling and helping people, so I always knew whatever career I had as an adult, it would do something, uh, it would have something to do with helping others, uh, whether it be children, teenagers, adults. I just knew I wanted to be in the service, you know, community helping others. And I just have a knack for always, you know, just giving advice and stuff like that. People always come to me for stuff. So I figured, you know, why not just walk in my purpose and get paid for it? And I love it. All right, and so you're a vet. What made you go into service? life <laughs> I well I joined late so I think I turned 26 when I joined okay. um and I was just like going through a lot of things and I knew I wasn't going to go back home like that just it wasn't an option for me and I knew I wanted to continue my education I don't come from money and like getting degrees and stuff like that it just wasn't like a norm for things that I seen growing up so I kind of just built my own platform and my own, you know, path. And just, that's just what I've been doing. And the army kind of gave me a leg up, even though I didn't love it, but it gave me a leg up in life and kind of opened doors that I didn't think was possible at sometimes. Okay. Okay. So, you know, I kind of stalk people from time to time. Right. So, um, so was the army kind of the trigger for your travel or were you traveling prior? I always wanted to travel, but I was scared to do it on my own, to be honest. But joining the Army, my first duty station was slap across the world in South Korea. <laughs> yeah, so it was like first big flight, first international. Like it was just a, a first for a lot of things. And it wasn't like kind of being stationed in the States, like being able to live in another country, but being immersed in the you know, their cultures and seeing a, you know, a diverse group of people. So like, it just, it sparked something in me that I didn't really know I I needed or I wanted or I loved. And I had a mentor and he used to always say, you know, make sure you see the world, like get your passport and go places. Like if you have to go by yourself, start small, do that. But don't just be one of those people to just kind of sit around and only experience one thing. So that was like one one of the things he pressed and he was a black man, like, he always encouraged us to see as much of the world as we could. So that's what I've been doing, like trying my best to learn and just go see places. So so let's let's talk about that first trip, like leading up to, right? It had to be like a level of anxiety leaving your house, 
You're actually like at this point, it's not on the, it's not on the because I want to travel. It's because I have to travel, right? So talk about that experience because I mean I don't think people realize that could possibly be a level of, and although excited energy, but it's like a level of anxiety, right? Like leaving your house for the first time, being on your own for the first time. So like let's talk about that. Like it was so different because where I lived, like I wasn't prepped properly. So like I was literally going in the blind, like how the other soldiers, they were on the military flight whenever they went. So they seen like all their other battles and stuff like that. Me, first of all, on my flight, I flew Korean Air, which I absolutely love. It's a great airline. But I was like the only person that looked like me on the flight for one. (laughs) I didn't really understand how to reorder. So I had a lot of stuff packing and lugging around in the airport. Like I really didn't know anything. Like my family don't like really fly like that. So like I just I was really in the blind. Like I I knew nothing. I was really out there on faith. Like okay, like I know how to. You say board here. I know my plane ticket is this. Go to this gate. Like I have enough sense to do you know the basics. And that's just kind of like how I was. And on the like it was a long flight. I think like nineteen hours. And while I was there, like, watching movies and just kind of reading the orders over and over, and it was, like, a little paragraph in there, and they were big on, you know, don't, you know, get taxis and stuff like that. So it was, like, it was scary, but at the same time, I needed it because it knocked off all my fear. Like, I just embraced, like, okay, it's going to be what it's going to be. But when I got there, I was like, oh, Americans. (laughs) So... (laughs) So I was excited, but imagine trying to lug around a whole bunch of gear. So you're basically packing up your life, and that's really what I did. I'm on a plane. Everybody don't speak my language. I'm the only Black person on my flight. And it was me just kind of going through all these time zones by myself. I can't really, you know, speak to anybody because I hadn't turned off my U.S. phone whenever I left. So I didn't really have cert. Like, it was just a lot. But you're right, anxiety. But I didn't really know, like, anxiety what it was at that time I just knew I felt weird and it was a lot to embrace so once you got there what was that experience like I mean there's of course on base everybody speaks English but so you're going in for like so let me take a few steps back how far after joining the army were you actually deployed or was that like right out of boot camp you're off to you're off to South Korea so it's, it was basic training, which is 10 weeks. And then I was in AIT, which is like when you learn your job skills. I think that was like another 14 weeks. I went home for like 10 to 14 days. And then I was off to Korea. So you didn't even get a chance to know the people that you're being deployed with. That It's just a, a bunch of group of people that you're just like, all right, we're going to sign all you people to North Korea, South Korea, and call it a day. Yeah, like, I knew absolutely nobody. Like, when we found out, like, where we were going or whatever, like, someone was like, oh, I'm going. But a lot of people, they was going to, like, the same units and stuff. I did not know a soul. Like, so when I got there, like, I was literally starting from scratch, like, new friends, like, people becoming family. Like, I literally had to network and just build all these relationships from scratch with some people. They had, like, some type of safety, like a familiar face. Like I was in a area where I didn't know anyone. So it was, yeah, it was crazy. So, so 
Uh, I'm, so I'm going to go to the question I was going to ask before was, so how is adjusting to not only being in the military, being deployed in a new country and, you know, around a bunch of people that you didn't know, right? Like, how was that adjustment for you in, in, as it's your first travel experience? Um, I can say I learned about myself. I learned, like, how well that I can adapt. So it helps to just be yourself. Like, and that's what always helped me and it's continuously helped me even in the military, like just being myself. So not trying to be somebody else, like just boldly like being who I am. Cause once you do that, like you'll find the safety within yourself. And as long as you're being yourself, like people kind of gravitate to you and talk to you. And you know, the more that I learned about myself and did that, like I was able to adjust, you know, to other people and, whenever they was talking about the culture and stuff like that, like I was cognizant that I wasn't, you know, at home. So to me, it was important to learn about the culture. So when they say, you know, this is a sign of respect, this is disrespectful, you don't do this, you do that. Like I paid attention to those things because I didn't want to disrespect anybody. And as I took their culture and stuff seriously, like a lot of the locals and stuff, they kind of gravitated to me and they talked to me and they taught me things. And that's one thing that I, I keep with me and I take it with me everywhere I go because the locals generally, they take care of you. So I learned to do that. Like I interacted with the, you know, the local national, I wasn't afraid to talk to them, even if it was a, a language barrier. Like I found ways to talk, whether it be with your hands, your body language, listen for key things or learn, you know, like keywords and they help you. If you say it wrong, they'd be like, no, no, say it this way. And you just, you kind of learn from that. Like I taught English while I was there. So in the English class, yeah. So um, you go and you just have conversation. They work on their English skills. So while I was teaching them English, they was teaching me their Korean language. I don't really remember too much besides, you know, <laughs> can I get a discount? Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to need to learn that one. So um, <laughs> offline, we'll take that offline. So with that being said, like how many other places were you deployed to while still in service? Um, outside of being stateside, um, Korea, South Korea. So I was in a place called Weejeonbu, and it's like right up north, like by the DMZ. If anybody ever heard of the DMZ or whatever, but I was right up there, and um, I've also or no, huh? Were you responsible to be at the DMZ or no? Yeah, you can. So they the way they have it set up. So when you go, um, of course, you have like um, South Korea and then literally the other side of it is North Korea. And you can go and you can visit, you can get little um, plaques with the actual wires from, um, which I have um, a lot of those. I gave some to like my mom and stuff like that. Um, and then I've been in Japan and I did a short tour in um, Africa, in Senegal. Nice. How was yes. that? Senegal in Africa. Senegal, yeah. Um, it was amazing. That's like one of my best memories from the military because on the government's dime. <laughs> <laughs> How ironic. They sent me home. <laughs> That's amazing. So what was so amazing about going to Senegal? Um, for one, it was my very first trip to Africa and um, if anybody don't know, that's where the Renaissance statue is, the big statue where the man and the woman and the baby um, in um, Dakar. So 
um, years ago, I seen the statue and I was always telling myself, man, I would love to see that statue someday. And whenever we got the orders to come down and what our mission was, I honestly didn't really think about, oh, the Renaissance statue. Like I didn't think about it. It just wasn't until we landed and we got to our first place in Dakar. And when we got off, like the very first thing, I shit you not, we had like the best view of the renaissance man and so it just kind of came full circle and i always say you know like sometimes when you're praying about things you know it doesn't always come gifted the way that you want it you know like god will give you the you know the answer to your prayers but you have to open yourself and be willing to receive them and had i tried to do it on my own like i probably i don't know if i would have ever seen it to be honest but because i allowed myself to step out on you know faith and get over my fears and just do something different and not be afraid to be uncomfortable you know he afforded me the blessing to be able to see something that I always wanted to do and it didn't cost me anything I just had to be willing to step outside of my comfort zone that's super dope that's super dope so um we met at the amazing Ghana trip right Um, and that was a a very eye-opening experience on so many levels but um, with that being said, what keeps you excited to keep going, keep exploring? Um, learning. Like, I love to learn new things. And I feel like with each place, I learn more about myself. Um, I learn a lot about cultures. And I feel like every time you go outside of your comfort zone, you get a shift in your perspective. And um, for a person that's, you know, big on helping people, um, I think it's important and imperative that you, you know, learn people in their own environment, not just your safety net. Like you have to learn people in their safety net. And I can't say I'm a lover of people and I want to be a help to others if I'm only comfortable in doing it in my own safety zone. Like I have to be able to experience people and meet them at their level and be, you know, culturally diverse. Like even if sometimes my clients may look just like me, like they're understanding their their beliefs, their culture, it may not be the same as mine. So it's important to be able to know a lot about people and all that they are, not just on a surface level. So traveling in my experience and in my opinion, like it affords you that opportunity because one, you get to see the beauty of God's blessings, you know, just earth in itself. And then two, like you get to see people from all over the world, the different languages, the food, because I'm a foodie. I love food, like the music, the artwork, the fashion, like, it's just, I don't know, it's just dope to me, like, I love it, like, I love the languages, just everything, like, I don't know, it gives me peace, and like I said, I love to learn, so it always teaches me something, and I take something away from, from it so that I have personal growth, so that's one big reason why I love it. That's amazing, so you mentioned earlier, you know, the locals help a lot with you adjusting whenever you travel, Um, you also talk about um, you know, you explore just to expand your mind, expand your experiences. You know, we're, you know, as African Americans in the United States, a lot of times we're mistreated. We're, you know, um, we're experiencing segregation, we're experiencing racism. Do you find it that you experience these same things when you travel internationally, or are you more welcome as opposed to how some of us are treated here in the United States? Um, honestly, I can say that I've been blessed, but a part of that, I think 
to me first, I think it's a lot about your mindset. If you go to any place, whether you're in the States or any other place in the world, like if you go with the expectation of receiving, you know, negative energy on people, you know, give you maltreatment, then nine times out of 10, that's exactly the kind of treatment that you're going to get. But if you shift your mindset and go with the expectation of receiving something good and positivity, then most likely you're going to have a positive experience, but you can't put negative energy out to the world and expect it to come back positive so I go you know with the expectation to embrace people and to learn something and to have a great takeaway from it and if I feel like I offend somebody then I try to correct it right then and there so that like I said before like I can have a good experience but so many people they go like oh they don't like us anyway so when they get to a place they're operating under the assumption like they don't like me anyway so I'm not gonna ask for help and they come back and they like oh, they treated me differently when really they isolated themselves from the jump. And me, I just kind of try to immerse myself. And I ask questions, even if it sounds dumb, you know, like, how do you say this? What does this mean? What's the good places to go? What should I do? What shouldn't I do? So I've been blessed and I don't take offense that they don't always know anything. So if they want to know something about my hair, whatever, if it makes me uncomfortable, you know, I just tell them like, okay, like, I don't really like that. And they ask why, like, I try to explain like, okay, this is what this means. This is why I don't like this. And you learn from one another. So I wouldn't say that I've had really any bad experience. So here's the thing, right? With that is even if you do have, you know, even here, you have a positive outlook on things, bad things still happen, right? Um, How you react to it is a whole different story. Um, mm-hmm. that's dismissed that it still happens, right? And so, mm-hmm. you know, I asked this questions because the goal of this podcast is really to let people know that people like you and I travel. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Some of us experience it, some of us don't. Um, I can't say I've overtly experienced it. I've experienced it in microaggressions, if that makes any sense. But once again, it's all on how you take it. If you let these microaggressions impact you, um, you pretty much are looking for it, like you said, right? Um, but if you're not looking for it or you're aloof like most of my friends say I am, then you don't notice it even happening, right? So, um, but yeah, I appreciate your perspective on that because, you know, it is one of those things where I've talked to people and they say, well, I'm not going anywhere there because there are no black people. Like, that's not necessarily true. There's black people everywhere. It's just a matter of finding where they are and meeting your people where you want to meet them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. Um, like I said, once again, I really do appreciate that. Um, I want to move on to Corona, right? Where were you when things started to hit the fan and, you know, all of a sudden everybody's going in lockdown and panicking and buying too many toilet tissue and, right. you know, causing all this chaos? I was here in Burlington, North Carolina. I had, had I taken a trip? Okay, we came back from Ghana in January. I think I went to Florida in late February, I think around that time. And then everything just kind of hit the fan. And I'm sorry, if you hear baby, <laughs> if I hear them yelling, I'm sorry. Um, what, little boy? I mean, you could bring him on. That's the future of travel. Yeah. Well, that's the future of travel right there, you know? Oh. Look, What's say up, hi. Sir? How, you, how you doing, good sir? Say hey. What's going on? How you doing? Where you try? Where are you trying to travel to? 
What are you trying to say? Well, I travel here and say I live in New London, North Carolina, but I travel to Burlington. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. I want to go to, where is it? New what? Yeah. Yeah. Say, see you later. All right, sir. Adios, sir. <laughs> I mean, that's part of Corona right now, right? You know, yeah. um, our personal space is no longer ours. Um, and, you know, if you hear some of the early episodes of this podcast, you might hear some dominoes in the background. <laughs> you might hear my dad pulling up and talking to me like I'm not on the phone, but it's all good. <laughs> um, so, so, you know, you were talking about coming from Florida and kind of just hearing things starting to happen. Um, I know we had a couple of conversations just trying to figure out, hey, are you guys on lockdown? Right. Seems like Carolina, y'all was still running these streets up, all up until, <laughs> right? So it, did the South not really take it serious at first? I don't I mean, it's the South, you know, they just kind of do what they want to do. Like, anything, you know, a lot of the people down here, they don't look like us. And mm-hmm. it's always, well, shit, I'm going to do what I want to do anyway. And, you know, statistics say, like, they more importantly affect people that look like us versus anybody else. So we take the most impact. And that's how to say, you know, when we're the target and we're the most impact, they really don't care. So, I mean, it ain't really affecting me anyway. So... Yeah, and I think like even now, like my hometown, it's a hot spot. Like it's a very small place, the county, but the freaking entire county is a red spot in North Carolina or a hot spot, whatever they call it, compared to like Charlotte, Greensboro, Raleigh. It's like the number two hot spot in North Carolina right now because people just refuse to wear masks. And that's even with like law enforcement and stuff, even with us going back to like phase one right now, just people just don't care. They just do what they want to do, to be honest. And I don't know if it's a, a down south thing or whatever it is, but they just like whatever. I don't, I don't care. So, how are you adjusting and making it kind of your new norm? Um, it's been a struggle to be honest, because I'm in grad school and it's affected so much of my life, and I have general anxiety disorder anyway, so. With COVID-19, it only impacted everything. And so when it first happened, I was honestly struggling. Like I had to get meds and stuff readjusted, like going and improving or enhancing my therapy. Like it was, it was a lot. Like it was a lot to take on because it shifted so much and impacted school money-wise, like from the VA. Like so much of my life was impacted by COVID-19. I didn't know how to figure out a way to adjust because it was happening so rapidly and every time I felt like I was getting a hang of it boom something else happened and it's a lot but over time I've learned to just find a way to find my me in this new norm which is continue to do what I do but at the same time learn to adapt so I'm already, you know, clean. I already wash my hands and stuff like that. I always, you know, just keep a mask. So even if I forget, like, my main ones, I keep them in my car. So other people, oh, you with me? Make sure you put your mask on if you go to the store. Like, so those things, like, I learned to kind of incorporate um, that or if something come out, I make sure to try to keep up with it um, as far as, okay, don't visit this place. Don't visit that place. If you know somebody that have it, check up on them. And that's the the biggest thing I think that I took away from it. Check up on your loved ones because I've lost family and friends during Mm -hmm. COVID-19. I actually just buried a cousin last week. So 
it's like the biggest thing just love on your family while you're still here like it doesn't mean that you stop living with COVID-19 like you just you learn to live within the means that you have now and learn to adjust and be willing to you know experience and accept your new normal because it's not going to go back to the way of life that we were used to we just got to learn to embrace and keep moving forward and find a way to move forward little step by little step because those little steps are turning into big steps now did you find therapy in traveling at some point or another when we were traveling um and now that we're kind of locked down um how are you able to kind of re regain that by doing small trips um yes i find peace <laughs> in traveling because one it's like a a new experience and two when i'm traveling i do my very best not to take my present issues with me so hold on real quick what So that's what I um I honestly do. Like I whenever I travel, whatever, I take all those things off. And I just in that moment, whether it be a couple of days, a couple of hours, a week or so, like that's my free zone. I'm not thinking about anything. I'm not stressed. If I need to cry it out, I cry it out. If I need to cuss, like that is my moment when I'm when I'm traveling. Like I deal with whatever it is I need to deal. So when I come back, I have a new mindset. And even though I don't get to do those small trips I try to do the same thing like even if I'm not going that far like okay I'm in a different space like let's not focus on whatever it is that I have going on but let's focus on me being right here right now and having the freedom to just breathe and so that's what I try to do is breathe okay so with the new norm of COVID right like how has your so how how has your travel tips been changed right so like in the past, my guests would give like tips like, you know, check out the culture first and stuff like that. What would what are your what are your COVID in the COVID travel tips be? Um you can never be too clean. So, you know, even you know, if you go like make sure you have, you know, like extra sanitizer and you know, wipes and stuff like that. Um, if you would never want to check on um, places like the little travel, the government travel sites, like the travel.gov, um, make sure to stay up on those things because they'll tell you for places, a new hotspot. Um, as you, you know, like learn about the safety of about the places, where to go, what, uh, where not to go, what to do, what not to do. And with everything with the COVID, make sure you are up to date with those countries or those states guidelines because these people aren't playing and so many people, they don't take it seriously. So make sure you know what's going on in that place because their guidelines may not be the same place as yours. And if you don't like the the young girl who just got sentenced, um, was it the Cayman Islands? It's somewhere in the Caribbean. I can't remember which island it is. It may not be the Cayman Islands. But her and her boyfriend just got sentenced to four months in prison because their guidelines were once you come, you have to quarantine for 14 days. And whenever she went, she had a test. The test was negative. Um, but her boyfriend was a professional jet skier, and he's from there. But they were out. They were partying, no mask. And she just broke their guidelines. And so when she got arrested, originally they said they were going to give her a fine, and they had to do community service. But 
they was like, that's not enough because if that's all they're going to do, then people are going to keep doing like, oh, it's just a little fine. So instead they made her a martyr. And the thing was like, okay, immediately you're going to prison. And that's what they did. And so instead of being one of those people, make sure you know what's going on in other countries, other cities and other states, because you don't want to be in that predicament in a place that's not home. And you sit in a jail cell all because you want to have too much fun and not do something as simple as putting on a mask or following guidelines, 14 days, 14 days, four months. You take your choice. <laughs> you, ain't never you ain't never lie. So what do you have a bucket list of places that you would want to see? I do. Um, I want to visit France. Um, a lot of people say they don't want to go to like a lot of places on that side of the world because you know it's white people and hence and stuff like that or whatever words that you want to use but um I was looking at a document or something a while back and people talk about um it's a place in France but they're basically just all about the black history and stuff like that in France but no one ever hears about that part of France and it intrigued me so I want to do that tour to learn about those places um, and the place like whenever people like us went to go visit or they was escaping everything in America like they had to be going somewhere and so those are the places that they were going but no one ever, ever talks about that so I want to visit that um, I want to visit as many African countries as I can because I believe Africa is a beautiful continent and I want to educate others on what's going on and to let them know it's not like what they show on TV. We're bigger and better than that. And to debunk all the myths that people in Africa don't like us because I think that is a load of shit. But whatever. <laughs> so I, I want to do that. Um, geez, it's so much. I want to own property in African places. I want to do a mental health retreat in Africa I'm not sure which country yet but I want to do that because I feel like um, a lot of it when it comes to mental health um, a lot of it is people lack identity they don't know a lot about their self-identity so going back to the place where we were originally stripped of our identity I think it makes you know a big difference so I would love to do a mental health retreat in Africa to kind of make things full circle and to let people know that it's okay to you know understand what's going on in your minds and to know we have other emotions besides anger and it's okay and it's safe to express ourselves okay okay so um you and i believe your cousin just uh, opened a clothing boutique mm -hmm. uh, what made you guys do that um money for one um, and then for me, as far as me doing it, uh, I'm big on body positivity and I love clothes. So for me with the boutique, it gives me, um, a way to do two things that I love. One, take fashion and incorporate it with everything, mental health and remind women that you're beautiful, regardless of what society says. You don't have to be a size zero to be beautiful. You don't have to have the perfect Coke bottle shape in order to be beautiful, but beauty comes from within. So learn to love yourself and see yourself and see the beauty within yourself. As far as um, Shanice, I can't honestly speak for her and say like what it is that she wanted to do, but I know that's a big part of it. Like big on um, just reminding women to just love on yourself because sometimes we forget to love on ourselves and as black women, 
you know, not feeling like we're a sexual object all the time, just knowing that you're beautiful for the sake of knowing that you're beautiful and not because somebody wants to slap on your ass and all that stuff. Okay, and then your podcast. I mean, I'm waiting for the next episode. What's going on? Um, I honestly just pulled all of my episodes on the podcast because I want to um, do it the right way, not to say that it was the wrong way that time, but I really want to do it the right way. And it was like that way before because I've honestly been scared to use my voice because I'm accustomed to writing. So that's why blogging came easy because writing is like my safe place. And with the podcast, like my voice that was different, I was like, don't nobody want to hear my country, but you might. <laughs> like, there's no right or wrong way to do it. I literally loved it. I mean, it was unapologetically raw. And honestly, you know, you were saying things people want to hear, you know, and you're saying things people don't want to hear. You know what I mean? So um, I liked it. Um, you know, I liked how you started off with, look, I got a country accent. If you don't like it, you can open it up. Um, and so I was looking forward to that. And it's, you know, it's as raw as you can get and as true to self, as you mentioned earlier, as you can get. And so um, I'm, oh, if that was what you had, I'm looking forward to the polished version. Um, and look, let me know if you need any help. I got you. I do actually, but yeah, I, I do like, I want to bring it back, but what more people. So that's why I said when I'm, I want to polish it a little bit, like that's more so what I mean, because I'm comfortable and I'm confident now in using my voice. And because I know, like, I have the hard conversations where like, I want to bring other people on and not just share my perspective, but have that same conversation and have somebody else across from me, whether it be physically or on Zoom, and have that same conversation and just, Sounds yes. like we got another podcast on the way. Hey, <laughs> go. I'm all for it. Yeah, so that's, that's really what I want to do because I feel like it's a lot of conversations that need to be had within our community and nobody wants to boldly talk about those things. Or if we do, we talk about it and put a little little sweetness on it just to make mm -hmm. people feel that way. And I feel like we need to get uncomfortable in order to move ahead. Like, that's the problem. Too many people are comfortable with living a lie and living in a half truth. So I just want to push people out of their comfort zone and make people think, you know, and adjust their perspective in life, even if they don't want to. But just give them something to think about. I'm here for it. It's speech therapy. I'm, I'm all about, you know, well, not speech as in being able to speak, but mm -hmm. like talk therapy. You know what I mean? I think a lot of times we harbor in the things that we want to talk about. Um, I'm not going to lie. That was one of the reasons why I sought out therapy, right? Because it was easier to talk to a therapist sometimes or sometimes, you know, friends. You know what I mean? And so at that point, it became a situation where I was like, you know, I'll just go to a therapist to talk about because they'll give me the objective opinion of what's, what I'm thinking. You know what I mean? And so I think your, your show will be a lot more, you'll be more dangerous than Charlemagne, I'll be honest, because a lot of people ain't ready for the truth. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, truth makes people uncomfortable sometimes, but the truth is good. As they say, the truth will set you free. <laughs> yes, yes ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So, Tell us where we can find you and what you got going on. So you already talked about the podcast. Uh, it's on all platforms, but the new episode probably won't be up maybe till, till the beginning of the year because I want to figure out all the technical pieces, but it's Gracefully Speaking 87. My blog is the same thing, gracefullyspeaking87.com. 
Um, the boutique is Shop 87, and it's spelled S-E-V-Y-N. So when you put in 87, it's not spelled a regular way. It's S-E-V-Y-N. But you can find us on Instagram and Facebook under the same name. On, on Instagram, I'm on the Gracefully Speaking 87, and my personal Instagram is Tisa Lachey. That's it. That's all. That's me. <laughs> all right, once again, I am thankful for you joining on here. I'm honored. Um, I really appreciate you being open and expressing how you feel about things and how you came about to becoming this world traveler that you are. Thank you. I'm glad you had me. Like, I love these conversations. I love talking to Black men, to be honest, which is something else I want to do on my podcast. So I'll be hitting you up soon. So that's that's what I want to do. I love this part of everything. Well, thank you very much. And-